Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Welcome, friends. This is Peter Herbeck, your host, and we're going to continue today to look at section from the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, we've been looking at it all week. If you haven't had a chance to tune into the program, you could uh, catch up on what we've been talking about. I think the Lord has helped us kind of lay hold of some deep realities that this letter communicates to us about the majesty and glory of Jesus, but also the warnings that are present in the letter. I think it's always good to hear those as well, to be exhorted, because as the writer of the letter of Hebrews says, it's if we don't pay attention to the word that's been spoken to us through the Son, through Jesus, the Father's final word to us, what we need, the one reality that will satisfy us, will orient our lives, it'll set us on a rock, it'll fill us with, you know, give us a solid foundation, it'll give us purpose, destiny, awareness of the profound meaning of our lives, all of that we we get by just walking more fully into our relationship with Jesus. And that comes from learning him through his word, through the teaching of the church, cooperating and knowing that I have the gift of the Holy Spirit in me. Jesus told me he would send the Holy Spirit and that one of the things the Holy Spirit would do would be to lead me to all truth, remind me everything Jesus taught, and very much reveal Jesus to me. And friends, that's the most profound journey that's going on in your life, no matter what you're doing in this life. The deepest thing in you is the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in you. No matter what our particular vocation is, or no matter how big of a job you have, or how influential you are, whether you're the President of the United States or your weight tables, the deepest thing any human being on earth could can experience is the daily communion with the risen Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit who he himself has given to us. He's given to us the Holy Spirit. Christianity is a new life in the Spirit. And it's a new power. The person of the Holy Spirit gives us new power, gives us a new capacity. He tenderizes our heart. He's a, he makes these words of God in the Scripture come alive and animate. They're, they're animated. He breathes on them. And the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit at the core of our being, giving us faith, conviction of the truth of these words. And not just generic truth out there in some far distant objective, but objective truth that goes to the core of my being, who I am. And it produces change. Christianity means change. It's there. It's impossible to not change to be transformed, if we're seriously paying attention, as this letter says, paying attention to the word that's revealed by the Son, by Jesus to us. There's a section here beginning in chapter 10, verse 19, that I want to read. may not be able to get through all of us, but this is typical of what's in the letter. Here's another exhortation to persevere, to persevere in trial and difficulty. And it's just, it's always full of gems, more than you can penetrate here. Again, if, if you have a good Bible, like the one I'm, I love reading, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, New Testament, because it's, it's common, its footnotes are so good, because some of this stuff isn't so easy at first blush to, to see, but the Holy Spirit will, will help us. And beginning of verse 19, therefore, brethren, 
since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, this is building on what the letter's been talking about, the sanctuary is what was the model, the tabernacle, the temple that God, you know, as people built the temple, it was a, it was a foreshadowing, you know, the holy place, the holy of holies. It was a foreshadowing of the ultimate mystery and plan that God had from all eternity that the human race would not just in the context of a physical temple on earth be able to enter the presence of God, but that literally, and it's literally now done in Jesus, the perfect one, both the perfect sacrifice, but the perfect son, the perfect new Adam is now entered into, he's taken human flesh with him in his person into the presence of the holy God in heaven. So that's what's being referred to here. And and the Eucharist is what brings us there. You know, when we celebrate the Eucharist, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, we've been washed by the blood of Jesus in baptism. That's why we can enter. By the new and living way, which he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. You know, that curtain was torn when he died. When he died and he offered up his life on the cross, his blood was shed, his side was pierced, his, his flesh literally became the means by which the, the passageway, our entry into the Holy of Holies, which had a big, big, thick curtain in front of it. You couldn't enter. That was torn on the day we know that Jesus was crucified and he made a way. His flesh is the way, his offering, his perfect offering to the Father. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Jesus is both priest and victim. He was the offering, but he's also the priest now. He's in the presence of God, and he's making intercession for you and for me. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Wow. Internalize that, that invitation, friend. Let us draw near. Who? Weak and broken people, forgiven sinners like you and me. We're being invited by God. Through Jesus, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near now with a true heart in full assurance of faith. A true heart, a heart directed to the Lord, a heart submitted to him, a heart that's no longer full of deception and lying, but knows the truth and we've come into the light and we've confessed our sins and the Lord knows us in the the core of who we are and he accepts us and he draws us in. And he wants us to have the assurance of faith. That's confidence in God. That is what we see. You know, the truth we've received about Jesus, we believe it. But also the person of Jesus, we radically entrust our lives to him. And with our hearts clean from evil, uh, evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, that's baptism right there. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. So we've got faith here, which sees the truth, and we entrust ourselves to the person that's speaking to us, that's saving us. Let us hold fast to the confession to an unwavering hope. It's confidence, for he who promised it is faithful. We're confident about the promises we receive because we know the Lord is absolutely faithful. He's not a man that he should lie, as Scripture says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How about that? Take up this word. Let's think about that. 
Ask the Lord, Lord, help me. I want to stir up faith in people. I want to stir up each of us to, to love one another, to love the Lord more, and to, to show that love through good works to, to our neighbor. Not neglecting to meet together. Don't skip Sunday Mass. You know, set apart the Lord's Day. Honor it, as is the habit of some of you, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Capital D for day, it says here. We're, we're encourage one another that the day is drawing near, the day of judgment. And for those who are living in the Lord, it's not a day to be fearful of. If we're truly living in the Lord, but if we're not, it is really a fearful day, the final judgment that's coming. Verse 26, for if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire which will consume the adversaries of God. Verse 26, here's the commentary where it says, if we, for if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Here's the footnote. By reverting to the worship of traditional Judaism with its ineffectual ceremonies and sacrifices, that's what he's referring to here, this amounts to exchanging the perfect sacrifice of Christ for the animal sacrifice of the law, which had no power to take away sin. Some people here going back to the offering of the sacrifice of animals for the forgiveness of sins, which was could never fully forgive sin. The blood of goats, a million goats, would not take away human sin, but it was a foreshadowing of what was to come in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who is an offering for our salvation. It's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean and nothing else. A man who has violated the law of Moses dies without mercy at the testimony of two or three witnesses. It's an Old Testament reality too, the witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the man who has spurned the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and outraged the Spirit of grace? This we know is a potential. There are people who literally have spurned the Son of God and profaned the blood covenant and the gift that he's given to us and rejected the Son of God. People have walked away and enraged the Spirit of grace. Verse 30, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's an awesome thing. That's what it means. It's it's a fearful thing. You're dealing with the holy God. And a lot of people who are blind are just walking away, drifting away from the church, flipping. Well, I don't like, I don't like this teaching. There's a way in which people are blushing at the gospel, the claims of Jesus. He's the only savior of the world. He's the Lord of all. He's the King of Kings. He's the truth itself. And there is no one like him. A lot of people in the world don't like that. They don't think it's just that there's not more or that, you know, the claims that he makes are total, and they're universal, and there's no one like him. And so people, after a while, the world doesn't like it, so the world walks away from it, and then we get caught. What are we seeking, the love of the world or the love of God? Are we seeking the celebration, you know, the the world's favor, or being liked by the world, or being loved by God? It's a strong temptation. And if we're not, as this whole letter exhorts us to, if we're not paying attention 
to what the Son is saying to us. And if it's not our first love, we're going to get seduced into listening to the world and seeking the favor and the celebration of the world and instead of that of God. And so it's happening in spades. And so one of the things we have to do is to listen to these exhortations and to say, let's help one another, stir up the love and good deeds. Let's lay hold of, let's be zealous for, let's run after the promises of God. Verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured the hard struggle with sufferings. This is normal. This is one of the reasons why people hit the road. Because even though you're enlightened, that is, you receive the grace and in faith you say, yes, you're baptized, you're moving, but hardships start to come and we get tested. And some people say, whoa, 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 I didn't ask for this. But here he's honoring them and say, you endured the struggle through the suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Some of these people have really been persecuted. For you had compassion on the prisoners and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your own property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance now so that you may do the will of God and receive what is promised. Isn't that great? They gave up their own property. They understood. How could they do that? How could they give up what they had? Because they knew they had the kingdom. They knew what they really possessed in Christ. And he said, that confidence that you have, don't throw it away. That is your great reward. Now endure. Endure through trials and difficulty. And you'll wear a crown one day. Amen. God bless you, friends. Have a great weekend. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, Receiving Fire. Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth, would that it were already ablaze. That fire is the purifying love that burns in the heart of Jesus. A fire of grace for those who receive it, but a fire of judgment for those who refuse it. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net slash FOE. That's renewalministries.net slash FOE.